So something I kind of get is the idea of lying to others. It's wrong, but I kind of get it. I get the idea of us lying to other people just as this video showed, maybe to like portray myself in a certain way in front of others. I want certain people to believe certain things about me. I want to cover up a mistake I made. So I might cover up one aspect of my life so I might lie to someone else. It's not right, but I get it. Studies have shown that all of us, on average, lie three to four times a day. We lie three to four times a day to deceive someone else. So lying to someone else, you and I agree, no matter your worldview, you can say ethically it's wrong, morally it's wrong to lie. But the one thing I do not get is why you and I fall into the trap of lying to ourselves. Like, why do we lie to ourselves? Like, who are we trying to fool? When I lie to someone else, I'm trying to, I'm trying to fool my wife, trying to fool my boss, trying to fool someone. I'm lying, not me, but I'm saying you, you know. But we lie to others, but to lie to myself, why? Like, who am I trying to fool? Why do you and I fall into the trap of self-deception? Let me take one small example. Regardless of your worldview or where you might stand right now with Jesus, for those who are trying to invest and prioritize quiet time in the morning with God, stillness, silence, and you just, you and God and his word, and that's it. Think about it. The times where that doesn't happen for us, we get easily distracted. We end up like taking out our phone and we open this social media account and then that leads to us to another and we scroll until we can't feel our thumb anymore and we just keep on scrolling. And then we don't have enough time to spend with God in the morning. And then we get to, we go to school, we go to work, we move on with our day. And then what's our reason of why we didn't spend time with God in the morning? I was busy, I didn't have time. I just didn't have time. It's a busy time right now. I have a lot going on, it's a busy time. But the excuse is my phone. I got lost in watching that next video. I got lost in scrolling away. That's my excuse. But you and I, the whole theme of this entire series, no excuses as we're wrapping up the series, is we, you and I don't use the word excuse, right? We say reason. And our favorite word is because. Right? You and I won't say, well, here's my excuse. No, we say, well, here's my reasoning why I'm behaving like this. Here's the reason why I'm reacting like this. Here's the reason why I checked out. Here's the reason why I'm lazy. Here's the reason. Not, we don't use the word excuse. We use the word reason. And, and if you ask, well, why, why do you do it? Like, why do you, why are you not going to that thing? Why are you not responding to this person? Why are you checked out? Why are you reacting like this? Because that's my reason. We don't want to look deeper and admit to an excuse, but we dress it up very nicely and call it a reason. Maybe the excuses that we give ourselves of why we act this way, the excuse that you and I give to each other, maybe it's an excuse that we heard from a podcast, a video, maybe somebody gave us that label and we end up taking that and go to town with it. Yeah, you know what? That is my reason. It is because of my upbringing. It is because of my past. It is because of my spouse. It is because of my wife. It is because of the country. It is because of the president. That's the reason. That's the reason. Not me. I'm not, I'm not the reason why like, I, I have poor financial skills. It's not my, I'm not the reason why I turn out like this in life. No, here's my reasoning. We, don't, we, we, we find those labels from different ways and we start building that narrative for all of us. But the one question I want us that's driving this three-part series as we wrap it up today, is it possible you and I are missing out because we've built this wall around us? Could we be missing out because we live a life of just giving reasons for our flaws? 
Instead of saying, here's my excuse. But no, we cover it up, we dress it up. What if you and I are missing out on opportunities in life? What if you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life because you and I are living with reasons as opposed to admitting saying, here's my excuse, but we don't want to call it out. We want to build these paper walls around us. And, and that's the gist of what we have been talking about for this series. Making excuses for my life. The unique thing about how we are designed anthropologically, if we just look at how we are designed as human beings, we, like nothing is separated. Like I can't separate this aspect of my life from the other. My mental health affects my physical health. My physical health impacts my emotional health. My emotional health will affect my marital health, will affect my social health. So everything is connected. This is how we have been divinely designed to be. So yes, we have department of studies for these different aspects of the human being, but the reality of it is that it's all complex. We are a holistic human being. The early church fathers in the first few centuries would use the term that we are a psychosomatic union psychosomatic union of mind and body. This is the complexity of who we are. So if I live a life where I always give excuses to why I, I never have that conversation with my wife, I give him, I excuse, well, it's because she never wants to listen to me or she never respects me. That's, that's the reason. If I live without those excuses for my life and I dress it up as that's the reason why I'm not talking to my wife, it's not only affecting my marriage. I have excuses for every other aspect of my life. Like if I struggle with living a life of, of me being the victim and, I, and, and, and here's the reason why I behave like this, it's not an isolated thing. Everything is connected, right? I mean, what do we, t what do we tell a three-year-old? You know, the head is connected to the hip, whatever. You know that song? What's the first word of the song? My, the, huh? Yeah, sure, that sounds good. The head is connected to the neck bone. Neck bone is connected to the, the... You know what I'm saying. But everything is connected. We get this biologically. We get this in every aspect of life. So everything is connected. Even if I make excuses for one aspect of my life or I lie about this, there's nothing in isolation. It impacts every other aspect of my life. This is why I love the first century church because the beauty and richness of the first century prayers of the church are all about holistic healing. It's all about the totality of who we are as human beings. And, and I just want to share with you a very ancient liturgical prayer. This is, comes near the end of the divine liturgy. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is the prayer. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts and purify us to be whole in soul, body, and spirit. Like, just... Like, there's something about the church that they understood from the first 300 years that we are trying to attain from God in flesh, Jesus, holistic healing. This is why we're very intentional. The mission or the, the mission statement for St. Mark Church is for that we are seeking the fullness of life. Not just add a little bit of Jesus here and there and a little bit of Jesus here and there, but not too much Jesus. No, we're wanting to go all in to find holistic healing in every aspect of our health. I don't need to tell this to, to, you guys get this. So I'm not saying anything new. And this is why the church from the first century, literally, we have documentation from, the, from 90 AD, from 90 AD, that the church started to build the habit of fasting. They started to build that, the habit of fasting, 
of saying, you know what, let's modify our diet. But it, it, it ain't about the cheeseburger, it ain't about the hot dog, it ain't about the pizza, but let's modify our diet so we can focus more on spiritual enrichment. Let's suppress uh, physical en enrichment or nourishment so we can focus on spiritual nourishment. Why? Like what on earth does me, you know, passing out, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna have that pizza. What on earth does it have to do with our edification? Everything is connected. So this is why the church encourages us to modify our diet. Don't go for that extra slice. Like, just kind of take it easy because all of that is impacting our holistic health and all of that is part of our spiritual health. Regardless of where you stand right now with Jesus, if you're kind of curious, you've kind of checked out, or you want to be all in, regardless, something which is unique about Jesus historically is that he kept on pushing the agenda of him being light. He kept on pushing the idea of him being light. And, and, and he would come to dark situations. Somebody's going through a, a, a dark issue. They're in darkness themselves, you know, allegorically. Jesus would come and say, I'm here to bring light in a real way. I mean, you get this in, in just life. I mean, you know the impact lighting has on a room, right? For those who are into design and stuff like that, when you add light to a certain room, it really changes the vibe of a room. You get this like with the vanity mirror thing that the ladies have. When you add that light around that rim, that mirror, and you set, put the magnification, all of a sudden you can see things on your face you never saw before. You and I get the power of light in general. And then Jesus kept on pushing the imagery of saying these words. I am the light of the world. Again, the disclaimer, regardless of where you stand on your confidence in who Jesus is. What if this is true? What if this is true? What if the reality of Jesus, who is the divine in flesh, coming and saying, I am the light of the world? He continues. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's not telling them, if you just believe me and say you believe me and you check a box. He's saying, he who follows me, who takes that next step toward me, the one who leans in toward me, who walks on this journey with me. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He continues with such an intimate, very intentional of his words that he uses. If you abide in my word, if you abide, you know, the intimacy of the word abide, it's, it's something, it, it is intimacy. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. And the, the, the verse, the end of that sentence has been taken in every worldview at this point. The truth shall set you free, right? But what if this is true for real? What if there is another sense of freedom that I can gain? If I just admit, you know what? I might not be fully enlightened in every aspect of my life. What if this is legit, that Jesus really is pure light and he's coming to penetrate through my excuses and reasons that I give and my justification for everything? What if he's trying to break through that wall in which I am building to myself? What did the skeptics respond to Jesus with? They answered Jesus, eh, we are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage to anyone. So how can you say that you will make us free? Like we have never, like we, we, we weren't, we've never been in bondage. What do you mean you're telling us to set us free and give us light? 
Who says I got anything wrong with me? Isn't that the reason that you and I all use? Who says there's something wrong with me? The reason why I react like this is because of him, because of her. That's the reason why I'm like that. I got nothing wrong with me. It's him. It's her. The reason why I overreact, the reason why I get angry, the reason why I, I check out, the reason why I'm not going to that thing is because of him. It's because of her. Right? We say the exact same words of these skeptics who are coming to Jesus. We are Abraham's. Like, you know who we are? We have never been in bondage to anyone. There ain't nothing wrong with us. So your words of saying you make us free, that means nothing. Who says we're in bondage anyway? Who says we got an issue with me? Who says I had something wrong with me? It ain't me. It's him. It's her. It's them. So the reason why I'm responding like this is because of him. It's because of her. It's nothing to do with me. Jesus answered them. Most assuredly, I say. So most, again, anytime Jesus says most assuredly, he's saying, listen up, put Put your phone down, like, engage with me. This is what, this is what, that's what it most assuredly means. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin, you are a slave to sin. If you feel you have deceived yourself and that you got everything under control and you built this, like, high wall and that you have a reason for why you respond to everything, you have a reason of why you behave, like, right? It's not excuse, right? That, does, that sounds bad, but the reason. You've built this wall. You have become enslaved to that. And just what if, what if, what if you're missing out? What if you're missing out because you live behind that wall? Your Savior is asking you, are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to admit, maybe I don't have every aspect of my life under control. Maybe I could use a little bit of light to shed light on darkness within me. Or are we going to respond like these skeptics? Who says I got anything wrong with me? I got reasons for everything, not excuses. I have, I have, there's, there's a logical reason to why I, re, I act like this. So just, just use your brain. Just hear me out. If you hear my story, then you'll know why I respond like this, of why I behave like this, of why I do this. This is my reasoning. And your Savior asks you, what if you're missing out? Because you do not want to face reality. Jesus continues, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Our excuses excuse us from engaging with others. The excuses that you and I fall to and we enslave ourselves with those excuses. The, our excuses excuse us from engaging with others. Like it's hard for you to live with others. It's hard for you to engage with others because you have a reason of why they're wrong and why you're right. You have a reason of why you're not wanting to Go the extra mile to connect with that person. You have a reason for everything. But your excuses are excusing you from engaging with others. Also, our excuses excuse us from loving others. When we live a life of us just purely being the victim all the time, it's impossible for us to engage with others. It's impossible for us to love with others because the narrative, which eventually over time becomes cemented within us, is here's my reason. I ain't wrong. It's him. It's her. And we miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. You and I only have one shot at parenting and marriage. We get one shot. You and I do not want to reach the end of our temporal life here on earth and say, man, I just lived behind excuses. But I, I was so creative to call them reasons. But I gave myself reasons of why I do this or why I did that or why I don't want to talk to I gave myself reasons and I missed out. You and I don't want those words to be said at the end of our, of our, of our mission 
of this world. But you and I might be living behind reasons or excuses. The people who have hurt you in your life, like if I interview the person who's really betrayed you or hurt you in the past, if I ask them, why, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Like, why did you do if I If I interview them, you know what the response would be? They wouldn't say, I got no excuse. They would say, well, the reason why I did this is because of that. They have a reason of why they hurt you. You do not want people to go forward in life who have been hurt by you because you have given yourself a reason. Are you following along with me? Like there's people who, there are people who have been hurt by you and by me potentially. But maybe you and I are living behind the reasons that we give ourselves. Because I promise you, the people who have hurt you and me, if I ask them, why did you do that? They would give the most beautiful reason that they have convinced themselves of and they're trying to convince others of. They have a reason of why they hurt you. What if you and I are, 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 if that's true of them, that also can be true of us. What if we are the ones hurting others because we have a reason, we have a justification of why. I want us to pause and kind of like take, like take, take a high level. Like this is a struggle you and I all, we have. If we want to admit it or not, we have the struggle of giving reasons or justifications for our behaviors, for our actions of why we're neglecting this or avoiding that. We have a, we have a, a valid reason, right? Because you've convinced yourself it's extremely valid. I've convinced myself it's extremely valid. You and I have done that. If we take a high level view and pause and, and, and take a look at, at a 30,000 foot view, who and I, what are, we, what are we designed to be? Like I wanna take the words of an ex-terrorist and of what he said about our value. St. Paul says this, we are his workmanship. Let's pause. You know how, like, how detailed this word workmanship, you know what a workmanship is? Like maybe we have no emotional connection to this word. For those who are into like carpentry or making things, like if, if, some, if I own a shop and I make stuff and I make, you know, clocks and tables and chairs and you name it, right? And I say, you know what? I want to show you my finest workmanship. I want to show you my finest intricate detail of something I take extremely value in. The, all the other stuff here on the, the front of the store, yeah, that, 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 I, I made that. But I want to show you my workmanship. You know, that's a very unique detailed word of something very unique of what a, a, a maker might make, a carpenter might make. A workmanship, something I take extreme pride in. You and I are that. Where God says, we are his workmanship, beautifully threaded together for it with so much detail and, and, and for such a very precious reason. And St. Paul tells us, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Not for ourselves, but for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You and I are called to make a generational impact in this world. We are called to, 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 to make an impact by these relationships, by, by using what we have been entrusted with. But what if you and I are hiding behind reasons and we're missing what God wants to do in our lives? This entire series is coming from an ancient prayer book titled the Agabea. And this ancient prayer book is something that we still use today in our daily prayer life as Orthodox Christians. Like, it, it, I, I, if you have not heard of the Agbeya, or you, you, you want to get into it, you've heard of it, but it's not part of your life, I encourage you, just grab one from the connection table. And this is part of the prayers that we pray. We have no favor 
We got no excuse. We got no justification because of our many sins. The church guides us through this prayer for us to break through that wall, that paper-thin wall, try to break through that. And saying, I got, you know what? I'm trying to convince myself of the narrative. I'm trying to convince myself I'm not the reason. I'm trying to convince myself that th- that, that, uh, of my excuses, but, and I dress it up as reason. You know what? The reality is I got no excuse. I got no justification because of my many sins. I, I screwed up. I'm messing up. I'm deceiving myself. I'm lying to myself. I'm lying to myself. I, I need to tear that apart. I, I'm, I, you know what? I'm not going to listen to this podcast, this YouTube video, trying to convince me I'm not the one that's wrong. They're the ones that's wrong, not me. And the church guides us through this prayer. I have no excuse nor justification because of our many sins. All right, cool. It's been a great series. Now what? Sure, I think I do have, I'm sure I give myself reasons for my excuses and I dress it up. I'm sure I twist this narrative to convince myself I'm not the one that has the issue. Okay, now what? Like, what do I do? I want to share with you just three steps for us to take moving forward. So the three steps are this. Well, let's focus on the first one. The first step is this. I need to identify. I want to identify. Listen to your becauses. Like when someone tells you, like, why aren't you, well, like, why aren't you talking to him? Because. Like, why aren't you not doing that? Because. Like, wh- wh- why are you overreacting? Because. Here's my reason. Wh- wh- why are you not, like, doing, it's because. And, and, and the re- here's the real reason. You want to, okay, fine. You want to know the reason? I'll tell you the reason. Listen to your becauses. When someone asks, why aren't you doing this? Why are you acting like this? Why are you not doing this? Listen to your becauses. Listen to the reason that you give yourself. Well, the real reason is this. Listen when you say because. And I want to connect this to what the first century church guides us to. Every time we pray the Igbeya, we pray Psalm 50, which is the journal writing by an ancient Jewish prophet by the name of King David. And King David says this, my sins are always before me. My sins are always before me. I'm acknowledging my flaws. I'm acknowledging my weakness. Do we admit that or do we just cover it up? But the church is guiding us to break down that wall, that narrative that we're trying to convince ourselves of, for us to break that down. And, for, and the church guides us to, to pray these words, my sins are always before me. Listen to your becauses. Identify when you notice. Like be, be attentive to when you say this. The second step, I want you to be a little bit uncomfortable with yourself to interrogate yourself. In other words, why do I always give myself an excuse every time this person asks me this question? Why do I always give myself an excuse every time he wants to do this? Why do I give my an excuse every time like, I see this person or I get that response? Why do I give, like, why am I re- responding this way? So ask the follow-up question of interviewing yourself. Interrogate yourself. Why am I really, am I trying to avoid the issue? Am I trying to cover up something? Well, really, why? Like, I, I, can't, I need to stop saying I'm busy. Wh- why? Why am I really responding to this? Why am I really behaving like this? So I need to inter- interrogate myself. Am I really just being lazy? Am I just being selfish? Am I just being prideful? Is it because of my insecurity? Is that why I'm not? Interrogate yourself. Bring the excuse to the light. Bring the excuse to the surface. Like, just ask the follow question to yourself in order to bring that excuse, that justification that you're trying to convince yourself of, bring that narrative to the surface. And then the last point I want us to do together is to relabel. Relabel. Tell yourself, you know what? This is not an excuse. This is not, no, sorry. This is not a reason. I'm telling myself this is the reason. It's not. It's an excuse. Relabel it. Say, I'm not going to call this my reason anymore. I, 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 this is my excuse. 
I'm trying, no, I, I, I'm relabeling it. I'm lazy. I'm prideful. I'm, I'm lusting. I'm selfish. Label it as it is. So relabel what you have been trying to deceive yourself of. I'm telling you, self-deception is the main tactic in which the devil is wanting to use against us. And our life will pass us by and we will look back and say, I've been living behind reasons of why I behave like this, of why I act like this, of why I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like this. And we live behind reasons. We get one shot at this. You do not want to miss the opportunity of what God wants to do in you. Why? You are his workmanship. I want to end with a question and then a prayer. I can't answer this question for you. What do you lose if you continue to give yourself excuses? What do you lose? What is in jeopardy for you to lose if you continue to live a life of falling into excuses? Let the church, the the richness and the fullness of this ancient church and through her prayers and through the sacramental life of the church, guide us to soften our hearts and bring to the surface our reasoning, bring to the surface our sins, bring to the surface our flaws, bring to the surface our justification. And for us to come to the point that I can say, I got no excuse, I got no justification, I need to get rid of that narrative. I need to own up my part because my sins are always before me, but I am holy and God wants to do amazing things in me. Why? I'm his workmanship. And I want to share with you an ancient liturgical prayer, which can be prayed during the fraction that for those who are familiar, this segment of the divine liturgy. And I want to share with you this prayer. It really hit home to me uh, when, when I was praying a liturgy in Florida this week and, and the priest prayed it and it, it hit me. So I want to share with you the words of this prayer. O God, beginner of the light, author of life, grantor of knowledge, creator of grace, benefactor to our souls, treasury of wisdom, teacher of purity, founder of the ages. You see, you see the the richness that the church gives as far as the description of how we describe our God, not just, hey, God, you know, no. Look at the, the, the language the church uses of us to describe who our Heavenly Father is. Who receives to himself pure prayers. Who gives to those who trust in him with all their heart the things which the angels desire to behold. Who has brought us out of the depth into the light. Who gave us the life from death. Who granted us freedom from bondage who made the darkness of error in us to become light through the coming in the flesh of your only begotten Son. Now you also, O our Master, enlighten the eyes of our hearts and purify us to be whole in soul, body, and spirit. So that with a pure heart and cleansed lips, we may dare to entreat you, O God, the Holy Father, who is in the heavens and say. Isn't that beautiful? What I want us to do is not just read it with our head. Let's stand and close by praying this together. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. O God, beginner of the light, 
author of life, grantor of knowledge, creator of grace, benefactor to our souls, treasury of wisdom, teacher of purity, founder of the ages, who receives to himself pure prayers, who gives to those who trust in him with all of their heart the things which the angels desire to behold, who has brought us out of the depth into the light, who gave us life from death, who granted us freedom from bondage, who made the darkness of error in us to become light through the coming in the flesh of your only begotten Son. Now you also, O our Master, enlighten the eyes of our hearts and purify us to be whole in soul, body, and spirit, so that with a pure heart and cleansed lips we may dare to entreat you, O God, the Holy Father, who is in the heavens, and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Um, we will launch a new series next week, but tomorrow, like I mentioned at the end of liturgy, we're beginning a Bible plan that begins tomorrow. So let's do this together. Let's challenge ourselves to do this together. The link for this Bible plan is already in the church app. So check it out.